Thanks for tuning in to Solving for B, the podcast where we discuss and explore the art and science of branding. Today, we'll investigate common myths and the business impact of having a great brand. So whether you're at home, at your desk, or commuting in between, settle in for an insightful episode of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome into the Solving for B podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Director of User Experience, Cynthia Stepech. Hey there. Uh, brand Manager, Ashley Horn. Hey, Chris. And Brand Strategist, Leslie Rainwater. Hi there. And I'm Chris Wilkes, uh, Digital Content Specialist. Uh, and today, we're going, to, um, we're going to try to bust the myths associated with branding a company or organization. Uh, but first, I think it's important to understand the impact a strong brand can have on a company or organization. Uh, so first, um, what are some of the benefits of having a strong brand, or um, what are some of the, the drawbacks, drawbacks maybe of not having a strong brand? Well, I think um, having a strong brand really galvanizes all your audiences together to buy into who you are and what you do. So it isn't just about um, appealing to customers, but you want to engender loyalty in them, but also to give employees something to be very excited about, that they can stand behind and be proud that they work there and that they actually are carriers of who your brand are. Agreed. It sounds like, you know, it's good to have that common mission and that common voice and that general understanding so you don't have, like, in large organizations with, like, thousands of employees or even, like, ten employees, they're not all going in different directions. Everyone's marching to the same beat. Well, I think part of it is is defining um, you know, defining a common goal that, you know, if you go, if you lose your, if you stray wayward or whatever right. the case may be, you can always come back to this is our brand, this is our mission, this is mm-hmm. who we are. Is our personality and things. Yeah. Right, right. And I think it's worth pointing out that your brand as well really just helps you, you know, from a communication standpoint. I mean, your brand really is what tells your customer what kind of company you are, you know, what you sell, but also sort of your ethos behind that too. Yeah, and I think it, well, that's a good point. I think it both implicitly and explicitly implies that, you know, mm-hmm. or, or states that. So, um, so, okay, now that we've set that baseline, I think uh, we can jump in kind of to the meat of these myths. And we've compiled, you know, in our preparation for this episode, uh, we've compiled uh, a few myths that we think that we hear here, um, that we hear here at Brand Extract um, <laughs> pretty regularly and, and some that, you know, maybe we kind of take issue with. So we'll kind of try to break those down a little bit. So one of, one of, uh, a common, one of the common myths that we hear is, um, you know, we have a logo, so therefore we have a brand. Um, is that accurate? Absolutely not. (laughs) And, you know, logo is your identity. It's, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's the first depiction of who you are, but really understanding what a brand is, and, you know, that's a culmination of many things. It's not Mm -hmm. just your look and feel, but it's who you are. It's the people who work for you and the type of services that you offer. Mm -hmm. So to say a logo would capture all that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be one heck of a visual, right? Yeah, if you're doing some heavy lifting. Even at that, it's like you design the most amazing looking logo. Like we, you know, and being a designer, you know, the order will come in and it's like, just make us something that looks really cool. But I'm like, okay, we could make it look amazing, but what does it really say about your company? And it's never going to say enough if there isn't a story behind it or anything else. So right, yeah. right, it's exactly. wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Right, it's almost just a symbol that serves as a like a shortcut to the emotions behind right. you know how someone might view you and your business. Yeah, 
So if there's nothing behind that, you know, if it's a, a logo or a symbol, that means essentially nothing. You know, it won't be memorable and, uh, you know, really won't stand the test of time. Yeah, and I guess it won't accurately depict. I mean, that's one of the things I love about what we do here is that we really get to the essence. You know, we've, we've had some talk about brand extract and what does it mean and who we are. Um, and it's, you know, I like to use the, not analogy, but the, the phrasing that we extract who you really are and we make it come out in your brand. So um, it's a fitting name. Um, so another, another myth that we, we often hear is, uh, I know my brand, um, I don't need anyone else to tell me what it is, or something along the lines of, I define my own brand. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, is, is that something that we agree with? Is that a myth? Are we busting that myth, or is that? <laughs> we are busting that myth. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's important. So, you know, I can think of just numerous organizations that, the stories that we've seen, you know, on the news where it's like, you know, the CEO is like, this is who we are. Um, it still takes more than that to fully understand what's the whole, you know, direction of the brand and who they are as a company. Um, and I think a lot of that is like looking back to our assessment process and what we do every time we kick off a project, we make it a point to really understand who their target audience is and really dive mm-hmm. into that and listen to them. So, yeah, when we talk to them, um, I think more often than not, we will find areas where they think they're doing a good job or they think they are X. And really, when you go to um, customers, they say we're Y and employees might even say Z. Mm-hmm. So you could have that much disparity um, so it would be very dangerous and really um, not cost efficient to go to the market with that because you you miss your brand. You know, you missed who you truly are or you have to maybe shore up some things to have mm-hmm. that brand that you want to go to market with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, too, that, you know, the reason why you don't just say, OK, well, I'm going to define my own brand and, and you know, whatever everybody else says is wrong is, I mean, you could have a great brand and you could have great rationales and great, you know, you could have this whole identity system that, that works and, you know, internally everybody's on the same page, but it completely misses your target audience. And like Leslie, you just mentioned, that's dangerous. I mean, then that starts right. to affect your bottom line, affect your sales and, you know, it, it gets to some. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, your, your brand is definitely not something that you can just for example, put out in a press release and send it out to the world and and your job is done. It's certainly something that's cultivated. And, you know, you can go ahead and and tell your brand story all day long, but you really have to look at how your customers and how the audience is um, receiving that message and how they're understanding that message. So it goes back to two critical things about the brand, which is, you know, your brand needs to be unique, but it also needs to be authentic. Right. Um, And I think there's also something, too, for like looking at like some older brands that have been around for maybe up to 100 years where it's like listening to their target audience. It changes from decade to decade and along the century. And it's like the way you communicated with someone, you know, 50 years ago is going to change from today. You know, you think of like some long term, like General Mills brands or something, you know, or a craft brand of some sort. It's like the way their target audience communicates and receives information is completely different. So there's something in that too, where it's like, you know, things change. Yeah. And one of the, one of the myths that I I think I'm just going to interject here that we haven't, we didn't really discuss, I don't think, I mean, I think we're all aware of it, but is that, um, you know, 
part of this myth, I guess, it's a sub-myth, if you will, is that, you know, we'll define our brand. We are, you're, and we've talked about this in previous episodes and, and amongst ourselves here at BE, um, your brand doesn't, you know, you, you don't create your brand. Your brand exists. You have to own your brand and manage your brand. But your brand's going to exist out there regardless, no matter what. So I think it's important to, to understand that and realize that. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times brands go un- I guess, uh, unattended to because, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, people are like, oh, I can just, you know, if I, if I just stay quiet and I just stay in my little corner, it, no one's going to hear about me or see about me and we're okay with that because sales are good or whatever the case may right, be. Right, right. But in reality, that brand, you know, that brand's a living, breathing thing and it's, things are going to happen to that brand and it's, it's out there right. being tossed around or it's like anything about. else like living things they require maintenance right yeah, <laughs> or even absolutely. inanimate things they absolutely. require maintenance and you just can't simply abandon something it's like it works right it may not work forever so right well and that's, that's that's a good segue into the next um I mean, the next myth that we have is that we've already got a great brand um our work is done so um is that you know and some of the variations of that are some signals could be hey sales are fantastic right now well, why do we need why do we need to pay attention to our brand or um our ma- our marketing plan has worked for the past 3 years straight or however however long that may be um you know we're we're an established brand we're too big to fail kind of thing so um so we don't have to pay attention to brand why is that wrong well i think it goes back to what we started the discussion with. You have to understand what brand is. So if you are your brand, I mean, if all of those components come together to be your brand, you, your work is never done because you're, you know, you're out there in the market, you're doing what you need to be doing, then part of that, your brand is coming along with that, whether you're paying attention to it or not. So the work then is is what are we doing to actually purposely pay attention to it? And that goes back to what we were just talking about. But it isn't ever done because your brand is always out in the market, so it always needs tending to and, and being very purposeful about that. Sure. And, and people are finding new ways to engage with brands all of the time. So, you know, there is a competitive nature of it, of wanting to be, you know, the forefront in someone's mind with thinking about, I'm going to buy a pair of shoes, what shoe brand comes to mind? And there's constantly other brands in the marketplace, you know, new companies and new brands being introduced that are constantly vying for that front of mind um, sort of position if you will. So that's something that you certainly can't just rest on your laurels and say, well, we have a great brand following, we're doing good. You know, that's almost making the assumption that the marketplace won't change, that there, you know, might be new customers that you are, you're trying to target. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you'd be doing yourself a great disservice, I think, to um, sort of just close the book on that one. Yeah, I, th- I think many a cautionary tale in branding starts with, you know, we were the we were the biggest baddest brand on the block, and then I mean, think about I mean, there's examples galore out there. I mean, Yahoo was so big yeah, at one point, <laughs> and I mean, like there's right. example. I, I you know Adidas right now is gaining a lot of ground on Nike, mm-hmm. and five ten years ago, I mean, me paying attention mm-hmm. to that market a little right. bit, like could have never imagined. I mean, Nike was the eight hundred pound gorilla and owned that space. So there's Plenty of examples yeah. of people who like maybe didn't adjust uh, well enough didn't or quick adjust enough for the marketplace. We'll just think about you know with Netflix its arrival, you know, and then it's like uh, right. destroying blockbuster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, and the funny thing was they probably had that opportunity at one point or another to make that change, and they were like, "We know what our customers want. We know what we're all about." And it's like they didn't make the shift for technology yeah. and, and the delivery method of those movies. So, which is that's kind of 
technology and marketplace conditions, but also ties into, you know, who they are and their thinking and sure. everything else. So. And now how we now perceive, the, for example, the Blockbuster brand today, as opposed to, say, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. is very different. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't change, but their brand changed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, and, and for our younger listeners out there, uh, Blockbuster was a movie rental store back uh, way back when, so just so you guys know. You didn't all, you weren't always able to get them like you know, online through Netflix. Just. And they are actually on, you know, tapes. They were videotapes. VHS they tapes. were not DVDs. I like going to the library. Oh, wait a second. That's different too. <laughs> what library? Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to rewind. <laughs> so um, so our next myth um, is, is um, kind of, and, and I think, I don't know that we run into it as much, but um, some, I mean, certainly it's out there, um, is that we don't need branding, we have an amazing product or service, or it'll sell itself. Um, why is that? Why is that false? Don't ever drink your own Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Um, it's just bad. It won't. It won't. It won't <laughs> work. I mean, just as, as simple as that, it won't. Yeah. I think right. it, it has to do with, to some degree, how uh, people, customers, humans uh, perceive value. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a strong brand behind you, then you could have the best product in the world, mm-hmm. but you you don't you lack trust. First of all, you're not a reputable or known. It's, it's exactly. perceived. And while you mm-hmm. may have the best product in the market for the price right. and all that, you have to frame it up. You you know you don't have inherent value in products in the in the sense that you might think. It's not going to sell itself, and it kind of reminds me of like you know great artists who are amazing, talented individuals, but they can't sell their work to save their lives. And they're like, but this is amazing work. Somebody will surely buy it. Well, you need a rep. You need to have the story. What's your work about? And it's like, and if nobody you know could sit in an art gallery forever, and it will end up. Right. In a basement. In the right, end. right. <laughs> Actually, uh, Cynthia, a really good specific example of that, um, a social study that was done by the Washington Post uh, years ago, they actually took um, one of the best violinists in the entire world, Joshua Bell, mm-hmm. and they put him in a, uh, a Washington, D.C. subway station and had him play for like three or four hours. He played Bach on a like three and a half million dollar Stradivarius and no, but almost nobody stopped to even listen. He walked away with maybe like twenty dollars in tips. But two days before, he had an in, like an entire theater, um, you know, in the same city, sold out for like you know a hundred dollars a ticket uh-huh. on average. So that's just one of those things. That, you know, if you don't frame it up and you're not communicating the value. In that way, you know, you could it's have... It's just noise in the subway. Exactly. You're just station. noise in the subway. <laughs> that's it. Yep. Or just another painting in the art gallery. Yeah. Rauschenberger who? Well, yeah, that's... <laughs> right. that's <laughs> right? Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I mean, I I, um, I think about um, the products and services like that that do kind of come in and make a splash immediately. And, and that carries you for a little bit, right? But it's you have to kind of sustain that growth. If you want that long-term success as a company and you know, sustainability, then you have to kind of nurture that. So um, so, so the last myth that we have uh, today to, to kind of debunk is, um, is the idea that uh, the marketing or communications team is responsible for branding, and it isn't something that other departments need to concern themselves with. Um, why is that false or dangerous or, you know, misguided? Can't, you can't begin with marketing. It's a 
reverse thing where it's like you have to know what your story is, the voice, your message, what you're passionate about, everything else. Again, the marching orders, right? And before you start developing the your marketing and advertising campaigns, because everything stems from that. It's not the other way around. So Well, and we're all storytellers. All of us are part of the brand. We're all um, who delivers it as employees. We're who delivers the services mm-hmm. and products and how we show up to market. And marketing is essentially just the vehicle to help us get out there and to yeah. amplify what mm-hmm. we're doing. Yeah. But they are not the keepers of the brand. They're maybe the ones that are keepers of the brand guideline that don't let you do weird things with the logo. And <laughs> that goes back to right. identity, right? That's right. not brand. And without that strong establishing that brand, uh, then it's just kind of like a series, like, how are you ever going to know if you're going to hit the mark? You know, what's the message? What's going out? How are you telling the story? And you could, you know, create just a whole random slew of campaigns and everything. It's never going to solve a problem, mm-hmm. you know? I think I think part of, of that, you know, part of it, a really good brand it is, you know, their whole organization is, like, embodied, that they're... Everyone in that organization kind of embodies that brand. We, we did an episode on Southwest and how everybody, you know, kind of buys into that. And mm-hmm. Leslie, I think it was even you who mentioned uh, their hiring practices. They look for a certain type of individual, mm-hmm. maybe not a certain set of skills, but a certain type of individual, mm-hmm. um, so that you know, so that they can stay true to that brand and that that empathy that they, right. you know, and that that customer first kind of type of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, there's examples of, of there's the other example, the other side of that where. You know, Uber right now is kind of going through some shifts and things have not gone so well for them mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, their CEO, the person who should be the, you know, the walking embodiment of the brand, you know, kind of said some things and was recorded and you know, <laughs> kind of started unraveling a little bit from there. So, um, yeah, I think it's important. It should be operationally. It should be the, the you know, in your interactions and sales meetings with people. It should be a personality. It should be everything that your company does. So. It's in the DNA of the company. In the yeah. DNA of the company. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of our last myth. Um, is One thing we kind of talk about here about is like, you know, we talked a little bit about it, is measuring a great band, brand, making sure you're hitting the mark with it. Um, is there anything, are there any particular metrics or signs that, yes, you're on the right track, no, you're not on the right track, um, or, or, is, or is that measurable? Yeah, I, I think maybe one sign is like engagement with the brand and one uh, just something that pops in my head is like Oreo where they took a very old brand where it's like it was a cookie, right? A cookie without a personality <laughs> and turn it into a cookie with a personality that could actually begin to communicate with this more modern audience and stuff. And the engagement for Oreo just went through the roof when they adjusted their brand. So to me, that's a sign that it's like you're doing something right. You know, it's like you're out there on social media, you're on the news, things are, but in a positive way, not a negative way, you know, but engagement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it's interesting, you mentioned Oreo, an old brand that kind of becomes new. I think the great brands, the truly great brands, kind of reinvent themselves every so Absolutely. often. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, I, I, when you mentioned Oreo, I remember um, they were the really the first example of, or that I can remember at least, to really understand or to really take advantage of Twitter, you know, the real, right. the real um, you know, real-time conversation and being yeah. involved in, like, these big events and things like that and so 
you know, you don't even think that they've been around yeah. for however many years, but they've adjusted, as we talked about right. earlier. You have to adjust to the market conditions and things like that. So. Exactly. So they, I believe it was like a 100-day Facebook-type campaign thing they had going on, and mm-hmm. everything is going on in Twitter. They're also very timely on top of things. You yeah. know, if something happened, and there was a response or something that would appear like during the Super Bowl, during the blackout. But that type of stuff, that people really responded to it. So they were speaking to that audience Mm -hmm. and they had made that adjustment like you know does a brand matter Eh, will it just kind of take care of itself Eh, no they made the adjustment and you know with i I think it was like a huge success they were yeah they were proactive in that which is you know um i think it's obviously served them well we're talking about them here yeah (laughs) um so anyway i think that's about it unless uh you guys have anything else to add um on myths the myths of branding um well, thanks. I appreciate you guys stepping in, taking the time to, to meet with us today. Uh, thanks to everybody out there who's uh, tuning in, uh, and we'll catch you next time. So thanks a lot. That wraps up this week's episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to Solving for B on iTunes or Podbean so you don't miss any of the insightful discussions about the art and science of branding. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope you can join us again next week.